This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. With some big games on the schedule with playoff implications on the line. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, talking high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and of course, the NFL draft. Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Guys, we have a big week six. We've got a huge huge show for all of our listeners. Great covering prospects. I am pumped for week six and for it to start tomorrow night. How about you, fellas? Absolutely, man. I mean, let's go. We now know teams' identities. We now have a little bit of, like, teams that are playing, like, top ten teams playing, like Miami versus Clemson. We have top ten implications like Virginia Tech playing UNC. I mean, just some big-time games, teams that are going to need this momentum to roll in uh, for the rest of the season, kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. As as Dennis Reynolds would say, week six is about the implication. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, no, it's a big week. I mean, it's as big as you can get without having all the P5 conferences play. It's really we're getting into the meat and potatoes of of ACC and SEC conference play, and – you know, it's 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 only going to get geared up from here on out. I mean, this is it. This is this is what we as college football fans look forward to because normally you have a couple weeks of tune-up games minus some big out-of-conference matchups. You know, to start the season, but this is now we're in the heart of it. Let's go. I was about to say we're really starting to get into the part of the season where we're getting regular big-time matchups, and the teams have been playing at least Power Five for about two to three weeks, so they're getting their legs underneath them. Some of the G5 teams have have been playing for about five or six weeks, so they're tuned up and ready to go. This is when we start to see really great football out of the Power 5 conferences. So big week coming up for everyone who is listening to this podcast. 
would assume not only do you love college football and the NFL, but again, we will cover prospects in depth and what you can expect out of Wii 6 from those prospects. Guys, some big news today. Actually, some big news this week. Maction is back. The Lights, Mac is back. Camera Maction. Lights, camera Maction. They are back. They uh, released an abbreviated schedule today. Each of its 12 teams will play, check this out, three midweek games to start the 2020 season. Some of these details, season begins November 4th. All, all 12 teams will be playing on Wednesday night. That's I, wild. I love it. I love it. Next two weeks, six teams will play on Tuesday and six on Wednesday. Conference will start playing on Saturdays, the final three weeks of the season, with the MAC title game happening on the 18th of December. But one thing, and Kenny Pastel, or uh, before you logged on, Pastel and I were talking. One of the things that the MAC has gotten right is to be able to say relevant in college football while not being a Power Five conference. Because if you are a football fan, you tune in on Tuesday and Wednesdays to watch, watch some action. Yeah, I mean, the Mac is the Mac has always been kind of contrarian in terms of their scheduling. You know, they have Tuesday night football and a lot of that stuff. But honestly, I mean, you think about some of the better G5 teams, or at least the most popular G5 teams the last couple of years, they've come from the Mac. You know, Miami's Miami of Ohio is the cradle of quarterbacks. Western Michigan had their run with P.J. Fleck. Central Michigan had guys like Dan LaFever and um, uh, Eric Fisher, guys who were going number one. You know, they had, they had a number one draft pick in, what, 2012 or 2011, whatever year Eric Fisher went number one. Antonio Brown is from Central Michigan. There's always an abundance of talent in the MAC, and I think that's why they're able to stay relevant. Because it's a very talent-rich area. Look where they're at. They're in Big Ten country. No, to your point, Gless, Tuesday and Wednesday, I have nothing else to do those nights. At all. So I, I find myself just playing on my phone or watching something irrelevant, but now I can watch some action. So I'm totally excited for it. Uh, and like you said, Cam, they're good teams. No, no one in this group blows me away at all, but there's always going to be a few prospects per team that's going to make a name for themselves in the NFL. And now with all of America, with nothing else to do on Wednesdays, <laughs> they can now tune in and see some of these players. Exactly. And if you absolutely can't stay off of betonline.ag – now you have another reason to log on to Bet Online to lock in some fatties on Wednesdays and Thursdays to be able to win some cash. So exciting to see him action. Always love watching that. Yeah, again, like Kenny said, I think you hit it right on the point. Uh, you know, a lot of these schools are in Big Ten country. A lot of Ohio teams, and Ohio teams don't get enough credit that they probably should. There's a lot of talent in that state, and only so much of that talent can go to Ohio or can go to Ohio State and be a Buckeye. So a lot of it kind of gets sprinkled throughout, you know, the, the MAC schools, and which is why they've been able to send really good prospects and really good talent to the NFL. Well, look, and, and at the end of the day, man, um, you know, the big thing about the MAC coming back is, is Dustin Crum. I mean, this guy's arguably a top-ten quarterback in the country. I'm, I mean, he's a stud. You're talking about a guy who had 2,600 yards passing last year, 700 yards rushing. He's a legit dual-threat quarterback. Uh, 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, 9.4 yards an attempt, 70% completion percentage. Like, this guy's dynamic. It's going to be really fun that he's back playing again. No doubt about it. All right, guys, let's get into it. Opening coin flip. Got a great question for you, and I think our fans are really going to like this too, but the better NFL prospect coming out, who is the better NFL prospect? Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow? So, Kenny, why don't you start us off? 
Yeah, and first off, before we get into this, and I, I think Pasco would probably agree with me on this, arguing this is like arguing LeBron versus Jordan from a prospect perspective. Like, like this is what the equivalent of arguing these two prospects. I, I don't, I don't. I'm going to argue against Joe Burrow, but I do think he's in there with one of the greatest prospects to come out in the last 25, 30 years. So I don't want anybody to come away with this thinking, like, I don't think Joe Burrow is a good NFL prospect. But that being said, I, I think it's Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he is at all. You know, if you build a quarterback in a lab, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's elite size. He has elite arm strength. But also he's got elite touch as well. He's got very good touch. Now, that is the one thing I would give Burrow is that I think Burrow has a – a natural feel to the game that maybe T-Law doesn't quite have to Burrow's level, but I do think Trevor Lawrence still has that feel and that touch. He's got awesome mobility, and he's got moxie. And I think that moxie, you saw it come out last year in the Ohio State game when he had a rough first, he had a rough first quarter and a half, and they were down you know, pretty substantially. They were getting dominated by Ohio State, and he got, he got crushed, and everybody thought he was hurt. And the Ohio State players started talking trash, and the, like the very next player drive, he ends up taking the ball 76 yards for a touchdown. He came out of the game and said, that pissed me off. That woke me up. That was good to see because he hasn't experienced a lot of adversity up until that point. So that was good to see him respond to that, and he absolutely shredded Ohio State for the next three quarters and ended up bringing Clemson back to win the game. Um, you know, the thing with him that's really impressed me is he's been the man since he stepped foot on campus as a true freshman. And Burrow wasn't. Burrow had the luxury of sitting three years with no expectations. He couldn't beat out anybody in the Ohio State quarterback room. So he transferred and very nearly transferred to Cincinnati instead of LSU. It literally took a 12 or 11th hour commitment to LSU for him to go there and then didn't have a great first year in LSU. He was pretty marginal. He was average, maybe above average at best. And then it took Joe Brady and a historic amount of talent around him to unlock his potential. Now, he was amazing, but Trevor Lawrence has been doing this since he was 18. I mean, there, you could argue Trevor Lawrence probably could have been starting in the NFL after his freshman, true freshman season, which he won a national championship by dismantling Alabama in the championship. And, and I mean, there's just nothing about that Trevor Lawrence has done to dissuade me from thinking he's the best prospect to ever come out, period. Okay. So I'm going to tell you why Joe – Joey B, Joe Burrow is the best prospect we have ever seen come out. Check this out. So, first of all, you, look, you talk about T-Law, right? I'm gonna talk, I will give you one credit to your point, Kenny, and that's the fact that we have seen him for three years of expectation. So, at this point, all we are doing is nitpicking things we don't like about him, where Joe Burrow came onto the scene, bursted onto the scene with no expectation. So, everything he did just blew people away. So, the expectation management is completely different with these two athletes, and that's to Joe Burrow's credit, and that sucks for T-Law. I mean, that's just the way it is. But talking about prospect itself, Joe Burrow has the most elite accuracy I probably have ever seen in a quarterback. I mean, the guy can just – he has one of the most catchable ball probably out of both these prospects. Two, he just drops it into any basket possible. T-Law has a stronger arm, absolutely. He can throw it probably 65 yards compared to Joe Burrow's 55 yards, right? He has a stronger arm. But when we're talking about NFL – I'm talking, you need accuracy. Accuracy always wins in the NFL. And the fact that he's probably just as mobile as T-Law inside the pocket. Is he going to run a 40 as fast as him? As fast as him? No. But does that, does that matter as an NFL quarterback? No. As long as you can navigate the pocket, which Joe Burrow does, and I would argue better than T-Law, because he, keep his, his, he, he keeps his eyes downfield. It's probably the best quarterback I've ever seen coming out of college, keeping his eyes downfield while navigating the pocket. 
Hence why the stats he had. I'm not going to go over all the stats. However, I will say when he played elite talent, when he played Clemson, when he played Alabama, on a QBR rating, which is only out of 100 points, first Clemson last year, he had a 97.5. First Alabama, he had a 97.2. He had games. He had probably like one, two, three, four. He had like seven games out of his 12 over a 95 QBR last year. And these are all against, I mean, number four, UGA, number one, Alabama, number nine, Auburn, number three, Clemson, number four, Oklahoma, completely obliterated them, right? Now you look at Trevor Lawrence. When he played for some of these teams, of course he crushed the ACC. The ACC sucked last year. They sucked. You look at him versus Ohio State. I mean, he got and he had 65 QBR versus LSU. Obviously, LSU had an awesome defense, but still, he didn't show up, and he really didn't show up versus OSU as well or Ohio State. Wait, go actually go ahead. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, while I mean, I will give him he had a 92 QBR at Ohio State, but. You're right. It took a Sean Wade hit to, like, wake him up because he did not perform well in the first half. Joe Burrow always shows up. The moment is never too big for him. He doesn't need to get uh, hit once before he wakes up. He comes to the game ready to play, and he has done that since the first game last year and all the way, really all the way through the NFL season right now. He showed up for one season. Right. This, this, this isn't – this isn't – this isn't – you know, and, and again, yes, he might have been a late bloomer, but I've seen it out of one season for him. I've seen it at three seasons. It's not like it's not like Trevor Lawrence had to be woken up to dismantle Alabama in the national championship game. The guy had a 184 QB rating, three touchdowns, 350 yards against a team that everybody thought might have been one of the best teams in college football, and he just went in there as an 18-year-old true freshman and, and destroyed him. I mean, destroyed everybody. I mean, this is the thing. I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence – would probably be just as good statistically, you know, as Joe Burrow if he didn't get taken out in the fourth quarter in half his games, for one. Two, I, I think that Joe Burrow had the luxury of starting, like, really his first game when he was 22. Trevor Lawrence literally yesterday just turned 21 years old, and he's got over 30 starts now. Like, this, this, like, like, like to, that's unprecedented to see someone step on the campus and be that dominant from day one. Like, it wasn't a, it wasn't was, a question. No, you're right. He was a, the most impressive 18-year-old starter I've ever seen. Not Joe Burr didn't touch him at 18. Didn't touch him at 19. Didn't touch him at 20. But right now, coming into the NFL next year, like, as Trevor Lawrence approaches the NFL, he's not as good as when Joe Burrow entered the NFL. That's just the bottom line from every oh, see, I, I, dis- every I disagree with that whole heart. Take away his 6'6", 4'4", speed, and all that crap. Take away his ability to play the football game. Joe Burrow is the guy that should be number one. No, no, no way. It's not even close. The only thing Joe Burrow has is, is, is better touch, I would, I would argue. Other than that, everything's about the same. I, I think anybody who thinks Trevor Lawrence is, doesn't have this moxie about him is crazy. The guy, the guy performs every step of the way with monumental, unachievable expectations, and still achieves it. Like it's not like he's. It's you talk about picking him apart. What is there to pick apart? There's nothing to pick apart. The guy's been virtually perfect since stepping foot on campus. Like it's it's out of he control. He played 48 percent of his passes versus LSU and 54 percent against Ohio State, the two best teams he played last year. That's not a number one overall pick or the most elite prospect we've I'm seen. I'm sorry, you mean yeah. he single-handedly won the game for uh, against Ohio State, beat the number two team in the nation by himself last year? I think that's what he did because Travis Etienne averaged 3.6 yards a carry and had 30 yards rushing. Like he literally – willed that team to victory. By the way, that Ohio State team was better than that Clemson team last year. 
by far. Ohio State was the second best team in the country last year, and Trevor Lawrence in two and a half, three quarters literally dug his team out of the hole and won that game. Did he have a great quarter and a half to start? Absolutely not. But then he absolutely turned it around and torched Ohio State and won the game. And yeah, he lost a national championship game to what I would argue is the greatest college football team ever assembled. They had 17 draft picks on it. Like, I, I, like yeah, okay, he had one bad game. Joe Burrow had half, three-fourths of a bad season his first year at LSU. Yeah, I mean, I think it all starts with kind of what Kenny said at the beginning, right? Like, this is, you know, we're splitting hairs between two really elite prospects. Here's how I see it. One, T-Law's done it for a long time, right? He's done it with really big expectations. If you had all NFL evaluators take a look at things physically, Trevor Lawrence is the superior prospect from a physical standpoint. Stronger arm, taller, probably has a little bit better touch, has a stronger arm, can definitely move faster. You can do running plays. But in saying that, what I saw out of Joe Burrow last year was the best performance I've ever seen out of a quarterback in 15 games. And that's it, it in college or pro. The throws that he was making against Clemson, the throws he was making against Alabama, NFL teams aren't going to be able to stop that throw. Although I think Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick, and I think he's going to be a really, really good pro player, I think Joe Burrow is the the better NFL prospect based on what I saw last year. What I saw last year was somebody, it was like varsity versus JV, right? Kid is just picking everybody apart. He picked the best talent apart, didn't shy away. Some of his best games are against the best talent in the in the country. So I got to go Joe Burrow here, Pastel. I'm with you. Joey B, I, I think he was the better NFL prospect, although I think Trevor Lawrence, um, like I said, we're splitting hairs. The Trevor Lawrence disrespect on this program is oh absolutely my. ridiculous. Well, I, I want to throw a poll out there. Because uh, Pastel was trying to argue that Justin Fields could potentially overtake him, which is ludicrous. Oh, I don't buy that. That's ridiculous. No we'll way. The, the, the disrespect later, on this later show. Later this season, we will debate that. The, the, oh the, the, the disrespect on this show for literally the greatest quarterback prospect ever is unbelievable. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's get let's let's talk some week six. Got some big pro. Got some big games. And prospects on our radar, on our prospects 101 game day radar. Uh, first, guys, I got three that I'm really looking forward to watching. First one's going to be 2 2 Atwell receiver from uh, Louisville. Compared to last year, kind of on a downward trend, only three touchdowns, 229 yards receiving. The average is also down. Last year, he averaged about 18 yards a catch. Big time player down the field. Right now, he's only at 12. So, really not getting a lot of those big plays that he got last year. I'm looking for a big week out of him against Georgia Tech. Louis, or, uh, I'm sorry, Louisville is clearly the better team. I really like to see him show some speed and his dominance in the secondary. So really going to be looking forward to see what Tutu Atwell does against the uh, Georgia Tech defense. Uh, second guy, Cameron Harris, running back out of Miami. Outstanding season so far. Got five touchdowns already, 8.2 yards per carry. In my opinion, he is – probably the best kept secret in America. I've watched him run the ball and that dude is an absolute beast. I think Miami goes this week as well as Cameron Harris is able to run the ball. If they put it on and Derek uh Derek King's back, I think they're going to struggle immensely. 
they get a big game from Cameron Harris, I think Miami makes this game close just because of how dominant he's been. And I think he really opens everything up for Miami. So I'm looking for a big week out of Cameron Harris, and I can't wait to watch what he does against an elite defense. Now my third prospect, let's flip it. Let's go to the other side of the same game. Uh, Jackson Carmen, left tackle out of Clemson. Uh, he'll be paired up against Quincy, Ro- uh, Quincy Roche, one of the best defensive ends in America in that Miami front, which has performed extremely well, even though they're probably missing their best overall player. Uh, but uh, Quincy Ro- uh, Roche may be the best player Jackson Carmen will play against this season, aside from anybody they may see in the in, in the college football playoff if they make it that far. So I'm looking for a dominant performance from the left tackle position, and let's see how good of a prospect he is. He was a five-star coming out of high school, and I think he has a lot of the talent that you would love out of a franchise left tackle, played really well against Chase Young last year. But let's see what he does against – uh, again, that vaunted Miami front. So that's who I had this week. Pastel, what are three or four guys you're looking forward to watch on Saturday? Okay, well, I'm going to stick with a little bit of defense and since we tend to favor the offense quite a bit. So I'm going to start with the better of the Surratt brothers, the uh, linebacker out nice. of DC. What a dig. What a dig. Wow. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Typical, typical Virginia Tech class, classless right there. But by the way, for those listening, uh, Sage Surratt was the receiver from Wake Forest who he did opt out, Kenny, right? Correct. Yeah, he's Chase Surratt's brother, Wake, uh, Wake, and anybody who listens to the show knows that Kenny is a huge Wake Forest fan. So that was a real kick in the balls pass. I always say a huge, Wake, a huge Wake Forest fan. He obviously cannot stand. UNC, but I digress. The better of the Surratt brothers, Chaz Surratt, linebacker on UNC. He's had a pretty good start to the season. He had eight tackles for BC and a sack. He had nine tackles for Syracuse and two sacks. Well, he's going to get the Virginia Tech run offense, which is arguably the best in the country right now statistically. So I would love to see how he can approach that in his run defense and how he can approach really Virginia Tech to stop that offense. Because Virginia Tech, they go through that run offense right now and Herbert as the running back. So can Chasserot really lead UNC into a victory? So I'm going to be keeping my eyes on Chasserot this weekend. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle. He's a junior, six foot six, three twenty, out of uh, the University of Georgia. The reason why Georgia's defense is so strong because you know on all three levels they just have dudes. They just have so much talent. And up front starts with Jordan Davis. Now he's going against his old teammate and Cade Mays. He's got he's going against one of the best offensive line. And the SEC, and that's, you know, within Tennessee. So they have Cade Mays, Trey Smith, Darnell Bright, Brandon Kennedy, who used to play for Alabama a couple years ago. So, I mean, he's going against one of the best offensive lines. I'm going to keep an eye out on how he does for some. Is he going to get double teamed? Can he beat that double team? Is he more of a run stuffer? Can he create a little bit of pass rush? Because you haven't seen too much of that this year as far as the pass rushing skills from Jordan. So I'm really curious to see what he does against, you know, top-end talent there on Tennessee's line. The next guy – Kind of an under-the-radar guy, right, but from a big-time university, and that's Dalen Spector, the linebacker out of Clemson. He's six two, 230 pounds. He came into Clemson not really knowing his role. Like, was he going to be like a, Tan- a Tanner Muse kind of guy? Is he a safety? Is he a hybrid? Well, we found kind of a, a spot there at linebacker. And really hasn't done much the last three years, but last week he won the Walter Camp National Player of the Week. And that's, he's the first person at Clemson to do that since Isaiah Simmons. So he had a great week last week. I think he had 13, 14 tackles. Can he do against Virginia? Can he duplicate that again going against one of the best running backs in the country? Uh, to your point, Glessner, you know, Cameron Harris. So I'm going to love to see if he can duplicate what he, what he did last week, kind of show that he maybe he's not going to ever be a top end prospect, but can he get into that 
you know, the sixth round, fifth round type of conversation with, you know, a good season going into his senior season. So Damon Spectre is definitely someone to keep an eye on this weekend. Yeah, those are really good prospects, Pastel. Guys, before I get started, I, I do want to say, you know, they say the measure of a man is what you do behind the scenes and the character of a man. And, you know, I defended Virginia Tech pretty hard last night on a on a Discord arguing about pl- playoff merits and stuff like that. And then I turn around and get this guff from Pastel. So just want you to know I'm going to keep high-stepping through these 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 waters and continue to hold myself to a higher standard than I guess my co-host. That's because Pastel is a big fan of the scorched earth theory. You know, like if there's a chance, you know, like if there's a chance to scorch the earth, he goes ahead and does it. So I, I like to I like to take my lessons from leaders like Gandhi and, and you know real innovators. Oh God! Um, All right, anyway, my, my, guys. <laughs> my prospects this week. Uh, first guy I want to start off with, and this game actually got moved to next Wednesday due to Hurricane Delta, but I want to keep him in here because a we're not going to film a show before then. I want people to really watch this guy when they play next Wednesday, and that's Grayson McCall, quarterback out of Coastal Carolina, and they're playing Louisiana. This is an this is a Sun Belt Conference showdown. This is for Sun Belt supremacy, essentially. Undefeated, both teams. They're both one and zero against Big Twelve teams this year. And, and McCall's been outstanding. And this is going to be his toughest test so far. Louisiana and App State are probably the two best teams in the conference, followed right there with Coastal Carolina. So if Coastal Carolina wants to take that next step and really compete for the Sun Belt championship. This is the game they have to win, and Grayson McCall needs to continue to be the elite quarterback he's looked to be so far this season. My second guy is another quarterback, and that's De'Eric King, quarterback out of Miami, playing Clemson this week. Is the U truly back, and is King the Heisman quarterback everybody says he is? This is the test right here. Clemson is the measuring stick. A loss isn't necessarily bad if you play well and compete. However, you know, losing close to Clemson isn't a bad thing. However, getting blown out like 99% of the teams Clemson plays is a bad thing and is a major step backwards for Miami and could be a major step backwards for De'Aaron King, in my, in my opinion, for, you know, facing truly his first elite team since he played Oklahoma last year at Houston. Third guy I really like is Cade Mays, offensive lineman out of Tennessee, uh, playing Georgia. It's a big rivalry game, and he's playing his former team, and he's playing in an elite defensive line. Pastel already mentioned he's going to have to go up against Jordan Davis, who is one of the best defensive prospects in the country right now. That whole defensive line is just nasty. They're, they're mean. They're good. It's a top-five defense in the entire country. If Cade can anchor that line and open holes versus one of the best defensive fronts in the country who just dominated a top 10 Auburn team it will go a long way in showing why most people think he's a mid to high day one pick potentially Uh, my next guy is Elijah Moore wide receiver at Ole Miss they are playing Alabama this is huge for Elijah Moore because he has established and entrenched himself as the number one wide receiver on a very very potent offense and he's looked the part versus the University of Florida and the University of Kentucky so far well, now you get to show out versus Patrick Sertan Jr., probably going to be the number one cornerback drafted in the 2021 draft, and he's a potential top 10 pick. Like, this isn't some Joe Schmo you're facing. This is the guy you want to show out against and prove that you are a true number one receiver and you can play at the next level. Got to do it in this game. And number five is Caden Stearns, the defensive back from Texas, playing Oklahoma. Considered a potential top defensive back prospect, considered a potential first-round pick, and a captain of what's been an 
awful defense so far. Oh. Gus, I know, I know, gross. I know your thoughts on Texas's Texas D. Is gross. But this is the biggest game on your schedule, and, and it's versus an elite offense. Go make plays and turn the narrative around on your season. This is your season. You might be given a mulligan for losing a game, and you could still back your way into maybe the number four seed, depending on how how everything goes in the playoffs, if you can still win, it, win out and win the Big 12. But losing two games and giving up a billion points to OU would certainly end it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Caden Stearns can do uh, against this formidable OU offense and maybe lead Texas to a victory and help turn their season around and right the ship. And I think that segues perfectly, guys, into our bet online segment, the segment where we give you our locks of the week. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Now, ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app, Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Now, you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Also, many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget the promo code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And guys, I really don't even want to go over this this week. I had hey, say it a rough, it. rough say week. <laughs> I went o four and one last week, and on the season I'm five thirteen and one. Just Whoa. not no, no, So what Whoa. you're gonna do out there is just take Kenny's pick and go the exact opposite, and you are bound to make money. It's called it's called fading pastel. That's yeah, the, you got to fade Kenny. Got to fade him. Fade him. Fade my picks. Hey, if you fade my picks and make money, at least I'm helping you make money some way. At the end of the day, I'm here to, here to make money, whether it's you fading me or taking my locks. But we're going to write the ship this week. My first game I want to go over, like I said, talking about the Oklahoma and Texas game, the Red River shootout, Oklahoma, Texas, I'm taking the over 72. I'm not confident that either defense is going to stop either offense at all. And I think going, I think they're going to sail past 72 combined points. So I'm taking the over there. My next game is Virginia Tech at UNC. UNC is laying is laying five points. Uh, I'm taking Virginia Tech plus the points. The juice is at 118 right now, uh, Virginia Tech. And then my next game is Charlotte at North Texas. Charlotte laying three is laying three points. I'm taking Charlotte and the points. Then my next game is. Florida at Texas A&M, I'm taking the over, over 57 in that game. I think there's going to be an abundance of points scored there. Florida has no defense, and neither does Texas A&M. So I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. And then my final game is Kansas State at TCU. TCU is is laying nine points. I'm taking K-State plus the points. Yeah, I don't wow. trust any of those teams, those last two teams, Kansas State and TCU. I don't know what to believe from those two teams right now. Well, it's the Big 12. 
I, you know, who, who can believe anything that's coming out of there? I mean, I feel like you see new teams every week. I just, so. I just don't think there's going to be any blowouts outside of playing like Kansas. Hey, like Kenny, yeah. Big, you're a big I, team, play, team playing Kansas. That's Kenny, the, that's Kenny quick, quick question. I'm going to, I'm going to say a number. You're going to say over under from the Oklahoma Texas game. Eighty. Over. Over. I, I, I do. I think it's. A, I, my prediction for that. I'll, give, I'll just give you my prediction. My prediction for that game is sixty-five, sixty. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, but but why wouldn't you do that? Neither neither defenses can stop anybody. Yeah, and, and I mean, they, and they I, both, I mean, I and they both have prolific offenses. It's not like their offenses yeah. or anything to sneeze at. Absolutely. They have amazing offenses. Well, what's going to happen because it's. Oh, and by the way, I'm over betting on the Big Twelve this year. I'm out on it. I think I've lost like. I think four of my four of my seven are all Big Twelve bets. So I'm out on that this year. I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, enough on that. Let me get into mine. Uh, I actually on on the pod went two and two last week, so I'm still at five hundred, still hovering around, still got a shot to catch up to Pastel. I won my Alabama parlay, uh, and I lost my Iowa State shocker. Lost a Big Twelve one, and then Memphis SMU. I also lost on that one. But guys, I got five this week. I really like. Uh, for, and two of them actually Kenny had as well. Virginia Tech at UNC, UNC laying the five. I'm taking Tech plus the points in this. I think Tech keeps this extremely close, if not win the whole thing, or win, win the actual uh, win the game. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a really tight one. So Virginia Tech plus the points in that one. Tennessee at Georgia, Georgia twelve and a half or a uh, minus twelve and a half. I'm taking Tennessee plus the points in this one. I think Tennessee is going to give them a run for their money. I think it's going to be a – I think Georgia wins, but I think it's by a touchdown or less. Number three, the Citadel at Army. Army is 29-and-a-half point favorites. I'm taking the Citadel and the points with this one, guys, and let me tell you why. The Citadel and the Army run the same – and Army run the same offense. I I, I think Army's going to dominate the game, but I don't think Army's going to, like – run all over the Citadel because the Citadel literally runs the same offense. They practice against it all the time. I think the Citadel covers that minus the uh, minus or um, it would be the plus 29 and a half on their side. So going, I like the Citadel on that one. Probably the only time I'll, I'll bet on the Citadel, by the way, <laughs> fourth game, Louisville, Georgia tech, uh, Georgia, or, uh, Louisville is at minus four and a half. I'm taking Louisville to cover that minus four and a half. My last one is is University of Florida and Texas A&M over under 57. I'm taking the over in that one. I think this one's going to be another shootout. Texas A&M, as Kenny said, they gave up 50-some points to Alabama last week. Florida, I feel like, is shooting on all cylinders. This one's going to go way over the 57. So that's my fifth, fifth or my, uh, yeah, my fifth bet of the week. Less interesting stat I saw earlier today on your you took it you taking Tennessee um, minus ten and a half or sorry you taking Tennessee to cover the the twelve and a half twelve and a half Tennessee is getting seventy three percent of the total money bet on the money line against Georgia right now Wow get out of here that thing is moving the, in a hurry and, everybody and hopping at, on the train and that's at the FanDuel sportsbook that's who tweeted that out. Interesting, interesting. I think it's going to be close. I, I don't think Tennessee's going to win, but I think it's going to be like a field goal. I thought about taking that Citadel game, by the way, and where I got worried was I didn't, I just didn't know if there would be enough possessions. Like, if Citadel scores two or three touchdowns, there's just not going to be enough possessions in time for each for Army to pull well, away. I just, I didn't know what to think about. Where it. Did you ever see a spread that is twenty nine point five, but the over under was like forty six? 
that's, that a, tough, that's a tough spread. Like that, that's a tough spread because that means they think Army's going to say score 35 points, but that means like Citadel can't score more than a touchdown. <laughs> Like, right? Yeah, and then you got and then you got to think a time of possession with these triple option offenses. Like it, it's tough. Well, I, I guess for me, I don't think I don't think Army's going to have a lot of big plays. I think they're going to chunk it down the field because the Citadel knows how to defend it. They may not have as good as players, but they know what they're doing. So I don't know. This is funny. I like that, one. that is exactly. I did not take them. Is what I'm saying. So I know you didn't. I'm looking at who's going to pass up. Let's go ahead and get into mine, which obviously people start listening to me because I was I was three and two last week again with the positive over 500 record. I am now 10 six and one. And honestly, I'm not going to count this as a push because I didn't say it on the pod last week. But by the time I bet at the Navy versus uh, Air Force game, it was a push. Like it was a 47 point over under game was 47 points, but I said 46 on the pod last week, so I'm going to go ahead and take that one as a loss. So I'm 10-6-1. T- uh, going to this week, Kenny, I agree with you, over-under on the OU-Texas game, 72. We've talked about this enough. I was going to say, I kept saying like 80, 85. Honestly, I think it's easily going to be over 90 points, so that's why I'm going to take the over on that game. The next game is Pittsburgh at Boston College. Boston College is plus 6.5. I am taking BC. I think Pittsburgh got exposed last week. And I think Boston College's quarterback in that offense is kind of the real deal. So I'm going to take Boston College in that one. The next one is I'm going to take the primetime game of the week, since someone else wants to talk mm. about it, Clemson versus Miami. Now, do I think Miami is going to win? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But 14 points is a large spread uh, for two, you know, top 10 teams. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Miami because Clemson is minus 14. And I think, I think that score is going to be Clemson wins by 10, honestly. Like, they, they will win – but Miami's going to keep it close for most of the game, especially because it's two relatively run-first offenses when, when Clemson wants to be. You know what I mean? And Miami definitely is. The next one is FSU at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is minus 20.5. I don't understand this. Florida State sucks. They almost lost last week to Jacksonville State until like the fourth quarter happens, and yet they're still less than three scores below you know, a top-five team in Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the real deal, so I'm going to take Notre Dame with the minus 12, 20.5. And until Florida State proves me other ways, I will never bet on Florida State. Like, that's just plain and simple. The last game, Citadel at, the Arm, uh, at Army, 29.5. We've already talked about it. You guys have Citadel. I'm taking Army because I just think they are that much more superior than the Citadel. I mean, I think that game is 35 to maybe three. I mean, that's kind of how I see that game. But I'm going to take the Army. And if you want my money line pick of the week, because last week I did uh, pick the money line pick, uh, pick of the week with Ole Miss beating Kentucky. If you want to have one this week and you actually want to make money because it's kind of a large spread, is take NC State over UVA. And that has nothing to do with my hate first on UVA. That's just the fact that I think NC State has something special now with Devin Leary as their quarterback instead of just keep going back and forth in their QBs. He absolutely dominated last week, throwing for four touchdowns. And I think he can kind of keep that momentum up. Like, I, I think it's going to be a close game is what I'm saying between NC State and Virginia. So if you want to make some money, pick NC State money line over UVA. Astro, you're such a company man. Take an army. What a cop out. Take an army. You're such a company man. Also, yeah, I didn't. I didn't take either. I didn't take that game. I yeah, I didn't touch that game. Just for the record, that wasn't my game. That wasn't my game. No, but you agree with Glass. No, it, I don't agree with Glass. I didn't. I don't agree with either. I don't know who to take in that game. I'm torn. It, it looked too juicy for me, so I don't know. It's going to be one. I'm gonna. I tell you what. That's a game that I wouldn't be paying attention to if I didn't have cash on it. But, did you know. did FS hey did FSU find their quarterback last week? That was the only reason why I was kind of skeptical about that twenty and a half because they actually had a quarterback who 
for the first time, and I can't tell you how long, looked competent. Not not even worth the conversation because who they're playing. Let let them let him do well versus Notre Dame, and we can have this conversation. Well, that's what I'm saying. Blackman got benched because he looked so bad against Jacksonville State, and this guy came in and just put the hammer to him. Well, at least you, the quarterback yeah, at least right? at least you like to see that. Like that's what that's what good quarterbacks do is they put the hammer to bad teams. Or, or is Blackman just that bad? Yeah, Blackman stinks, Coach. I know. I know that segment comes on our Sunday show, but he stinks. I can't watch that kid play. I, it, it's just too tough. You got to turn the TV off. All right, guys. It wouldn't be prospects one on one if we didn't talk any recruiting. Uh, had a lot of recruiting news uh, come back this week, and and we'll spotlight you in a second here, Pastel. But you know, last three or four weeks been really slow on the recruiting front, decommitments, transfers. That didn't happen this week, guys. Got a bunch of big signings. Pastel, why don't you kind of start us off, tell us a little bit about Andrew uh, Makuba. He committed to Clemson, top 13 player in the country. I'm sorry, top 13 safety from Austin, Texas. Uh, tell us a little bit about this kid. Well, it's just the fact that Clemson has been a little bit slow recently on the recruiting front. But I think now that games are starting to go, prospects can now watch their team play, how they run their defense, how they run their offense. And I think that's why you're going to start seeing a lot more top-end prospects from the 2021 class start committing. And Andrew was one of the first ones of that. He's a he's a three well, three-star uh, prospect going 24-7, four-star, according to some other uh, uh, recruiting uh, websites out there. But he's an absolute stud. I mean, he's extremely athletic, extremely fast. And I think he's exactly what you expect from a Clemson player. The other guy is Jaden Thomas, the wide receiver. He can miss the Notre Dame. He's out of Atlanta, Georgia, 6'1", 205, so kind of a stockier receiver coming out of high school. It's going to be a, a dynamic player there. Like, he is just one of those guys, honestly, kind of what I expect from a Notre Dame. Like, he's just going to out-physical you. Like, he's just a he's a stronger guy than those people. There's some player comparisons out here. Uh, again, another Tyler Boyd, more or less, a guy that can go over the middle. He's not scared to get hit by any safety. And I think Notre Dame found a really good player in Jaden Thomas. Or, yeah, Thomas. The last guy is Chase Hatley, and that's a safety in the uh, – Probably one of the biggest commits that NC State has had uh, from Cary, North Carolina. He's a huge, huge player. He's six foot three, two hundred five, and a top twenty player in NC State or in North Carolina. So really, just a, I highlight him because this is such a good player for NC State and really showing what they are doing on the recruiting front. I'm gonna go straight into the biggest decommitments of the week, and really, this is one of the biggest decommitments, two uh, decommitments uh, over the last few weeks, and that's Keon Coleman. He was the he was a four star receiver. Uh, commit for Kansas. He was their best player in the 2021 class for Kansas. Like Les Miles, this is a huge blow to your recruiting class right now. So he opened up his recruitment. There's there's no crystal balls going to one school or another, but he's pretty much out on the Kansas. And after watching Kansas for the first three weeks, I'd be out too if I was anywhere good. The next guy is Trey Curry. Or Curry the uh, wide receiver three-star player was Virginia Tech's second best player in their, their recruiting class. He's out of Tennessee. He's completely opened up his recruitment as well. I haven't found out really why. I, I will say this: when he recruit, when he signed with Virginia Tech, he didn't sound very positive on his decision then. So it doesn't completely shock me I that he didn't. Also had some. I mean, he has some big offers out there. It looks like, right? I mean, it looks like he had offers from Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, well, Arkansas. I mean, I mean, I mean, he got a lot of big time stuff. Absolutely, and there's that one point in his career, career where he thought about quitting football. So it's. His story goes beyond just where he was signing with. Like, I think there's a lot more to it where it comes to his family, his love for the game of football, and some extracurricular things that was going on in his life. So the fact that he decommitted from Virginia Tech, I just wouldn't be surprised if there's still things going on uh, with his football career and his life that made that decision. And that, that's okay. But 
uh, big time loss for Virginia Tech. And then the biggest transfer of the work week and the biggest probably recruit news of the entire week is the five star 2020 running back to Marcus Bowman, who was the Clemson freshman running back that played in three games this year. Decommits from uh, Clemson or you know, transfers, and now he's going to Florida to be closer to home. Supposedly the only reason he went to Clemson was because his grandfather uh, loved Clemson so much and was up there, and his grandfather unfortunately passed away. And so he got kind of homesick, and he wants to go to Florida. Now, this guy was a five-star player. He was a top-20 overall player, according to pretty much every recruiting website that you looked at, and he was just one of the most dynamic players that you could imagine in last year's recruiting class. So it was a big-time loss for Clemson. Dude, Florida is the real deal right now when it comes to getting guys to transfer there, getting recruiting classes in the top 10, and not to mention, they're already in the top four right now in college football. Like, talk about the arrow pointing up for a university that it's been down really the last 10 years is the University of Florida, and they just got one of the best running backs in the nation. Yeah, what's interesting about this one is had he waited maybe a couple weeks, he probably wouldn't have to redshirt like, you, you wouldn't have to redshirt next year. Like, I don't know how that works, like, transferring, like, midseason. Because I think that transfer rule is going to be voted on next week. Yeah, so, they're going to transfer, like, yeah, that one-time free transfer. Yeah, yeah but so, this is, uh, like, this had is he waited, very, he wouldn't have to redshirt. Well, this is a very weird thing anyway, because this year doesn't count against your eligibility at all. Like, no matter if you play 12 games or zero games, like, because of the, co- the COVID, it doesn't count. Oh yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, and that's and that's across the whole board. So he's still going to be technically a true freshman yeah. when he enrolls in the at least eligibility wise on paper. So he'll be still a true freshman at, at Florida next year. So, yeah. So right now, supposedly he's going to finish up his classes at Clemson throughout the fall semester and then enroll in the spring semester at Florida. And to your point, Kenny, like yes, there is the rule: like you have to be at a university for an academic year before you are now eligible after you transfer. So like COVID yeah. or not. In theory, according to the rules, he would not be eligible for next year. Now, Correct. We'll yeah, all, we would have to requ- request a waiver. Will we all be uh, shocked if he actually is not playing next year? Absolutely. Like, we all believe he's probably going to play next year just because of all the COVID, because of the one yeah. home. Like, they, they, the athletes these days, they, they just find ways to play immediately. What's Yeah, I know. But that's what makes it so weird. We're, like, in the middle of the season, right, five-star running back. Did anybody know where he was on the depth chart? Probably pretty low, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah I saw like he got like nine carries. Car- yeah, he had yeah. like nine or ten carries this season, but I'm, I'd Shoot, imagine. That, probably- I mean, he's getting some, you know, he's getting some PT, and then, autom- you know, he just stops and says, hey, I want to go to football. Sounds fishy to me, guys. Sounds a little weird. but Yeah, so know. it's a big loss. I mean, it's a big loss for Clemson, a big gain for Florida. Florida with another big recruit coming in, so Dan Mullen doing big things down there. Hey, here's a question. Do you think Dan Mullen, like – in your mind, is Florida a, enough of a tier A job to where if USC came knocking on Dan Mullen's door and was like, hey, we've we've loved what you've done to turn around Mississippi State and now Florida, we want you to come to USC? Like, is that, yeah. a, is that a big enough jump, or is that, is that equivalent in your mind? No, I think it's pretty equivalent to me. I think Florida, USC are pretty equivalent. Yeah, pretty Fine. equivalent unless you had ties to that university. Yeah, I agree with that, Pastel. I'm with you on that. They, I mean – I'm trying to think of what situation Dan Mullen would leave. I mean, Florida pays well, good facilities, great high-end recruiting. program, great recruiting. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, feel, I, I, don't, I feel like Florida's a pretty, like, end-of-the-line job. It's pretty hard to go above that. The only reason – I mean, Urban Meyer was retired when he did that and, and you know, got him out of retirement – 
And I mean, Urban Meyer, I believe, is from Ohio, so that's like yeah. that. You know, that's kind of like going home for him. So I was just curious. I was just curious if there was if there was even a, a, a possibility you thought that he could he if they came knocking if that would be. But I'm with you. I don't I don't think I'd leave Florida for USC either. No, I I, I got to I got to tell you, he's done a fantastic job at Florida though. Yeah, and and I I we'll see where they're at this week, but. Man, I tell you what, they're in a really great position to make that Georgia-Florida game the game of the year. Like, just kind of how, like, Alabama-LSU is every year. I think Florida-Georgia this year may be the Alabama-LSU based on the teams. All right, as always, you can follow and interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram posting all of our content throughout the week. Please download and subscribe. I'm sorry. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Apple and Spotify are two biggest. Most of our listeners listen to us on, but we're on all podcast platforms. If you listen to podcasts on a podcast platform, we are on there. Uh, Subscribe to stay up to date with all the episodes. A lot of great college football coming as we're rolling through the season. God, holy smokes, we, we are, we're getting close to halfway. Uh, but make sure you also give us a five-star review. That helps us a lot. Appreciate you spreading the word. For Kenny, for Pastel, I am blessed and enjoy week six of the college football season. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.